Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Wednesday. And if you are a new listener to the show, I don't mention this enough, but I probably should do it more often. You can find me on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Uh, I cover the team usually in Milwaukee, but right now I'm back home in Australia for obvious reasons that I probably don't really need to explain. Uh, you can find my stuff from time to time at ESPN, NBA.com, even Milwaukee Magazine sometimes. I don't really know. I'll basically write for whoever wants me to write about the Bucks. Uh, so that's me. Of course, you can get the show at Locked on Bucks on Twitter and LockedOnBucks at gmail.com uh, if you aren't on Twitter there. Now, it is Wednesday, as I said, and we're going back to a format of show that I trialed last week. It's the likes and dislikes of the listener from the previous week. Now, uh, I'm doing this because uh, I tell you guys all the time for regular listeners that these solo pods, sometimes you guys don't need to hear me waffling on about my own thoughts and my own theories about the team. So why not get you guys involved when I do generally typically have one solo podcast per week and this is going to be on an off day for the bucks so we're going to have a bit of fun here uh last week you know you got to be critical of your own performance and i thought last week a little bit scratchy for the opener for this format so i spent the last hour or so here just looking at some numbers reading through some of the comments that you hit me up with on twitter over the last 24 hours and we're going to dive into that here today we're going to talk about brooke lopez we're going to talk about the play of the second unit. We're going to talk about Drew Holiday. We'll talk about Bud. We'll go through a bunch of things here in the usual, in the usual roughly 30-minute uh, format here on Locked on Bucks. So let's get things started. And I, I want to run through a few of these comments quickly, and then we'll dive into the deeper stuff uh, a little bit more here. We'll start with Felisa, who said, who, by the way, is a regular listener. I do know this. And she said, Giannis looking a little bit more comfortable chemistry improving overall is a like uh this is certainly noteworthy when it comes to the bucks early in the season and some of the stuff i'm going to discuss later will emphasize why and how some of these subtle changes have had a big impact on what this team is doing on both ends of the floor but yeah there's no doubt about it i think playing a team like detroit uh, yesterday and as we'll see coming up today helps because uh, clearly defensively they didn't have anything to really stop him and then you're able to get your inside game your outside game are really rolling and Giannis was able to do whatever he wanted in the paint but Giannis himself I asked him yesterday post game after the 43 point performance whether he enjoys teaching uh, instructing and getting to know new teammates and I don't know whether this is because I'm watching the games on TV this season whether that changes uh, the viewing experience for me, but I have noticed that Giannis is spending more time during games and on the bench 
uh, sort of putting his arm around someone, maybe Bobby Porter saying, okay, this is what you want, we want you to do. Do this, do that. Yesterday, again, we saw it with Bryn Forbes on a couple of occasions there where I think Bryn Forbes was called for an offensive foul for a moving screen. And Giannis was like, come on, this is where I want you if you get in this position. And that type of instruction, I, I'm noticing that more. It's kind of fun to see as well, Giannis going into this teacher mode, which is not always something that he's had to do or been in a position to do certainly earlier in his career. And he said, well, he said, it's fun getting to know new people. Uh, he said that he's not typically the vocal leader. He likes to just go out and play. So it's been a learning experience for him and a challenge for him. But again, just keep an eye on that on the broadcast. Giannis, how much instructing he's doing and leading he's doing and just how many conversations you're seeing with the guys on the floor. I know the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast last week certainly highlighted um, some heated conversation between Chris Middleton and Giannis on the bench. But again, I love that. I love that this team is working through some real uh, kinks in their game and they're trying to iron those things out as the season moves on. And so far, uh, four and three doing it in a pretty tidy fashion. Maybe not as many wins as, as some fans would like, but to this point, they seem to be working through that. So absolutely, Giannis at this point, I, I think... It will take some time. We spoke on yesterday's show about some of the different positions he's getting to on the floor, uh, getting different touches. I know Old Resorter did comment on Twitter after yesterday's episode about Giannis getting touches at the free throw line before he has to put the ball on the floor. So that's the starting point. And we've spoke about this a lot when it comes to Giannis because if you are able to get yourself in a position where there's space in the middle of the floor, potentially in the elbow, for Giannis to make that first catch, then you don't feel like he has to have those huge strides and really gather momentum to get to his spot. We spoke about the fact that that mid-range jumper actually looks pretty smooth in comparison to what we see from the outside. So it's a great point made by Old Resorter, and it's certainly something that I would recommend when you're watching Giannis continue to look for those little adjustments in the game from Giannis. Getting the, getting the ball within the arc and not just at the top of the perimeter and being asked to create there. And I think part of the different looks that he's getting on top of the bunch of new teammates that he's playing with have all contributed to the fact that uh, Giannis is, is taking some time to adjust and not starting like a house on fire like we've seen in previous years where at this time he's far and away the MVP favorite, which we've seen uh, the last two seasons. But certainly a 43-point night encouraging. Uh, we'll see how he goes against Detroit here coming up. Now, uh, before I move on to the, the bulk of the show, which again is going to be Brooke Lopez, bench player, and Drew Holiday, uh, just a little update on game two of this mini-series uh, against Detroit. The injury report has just come out at uh, the 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Injury report has just come out as I am recording this. Uh, Pat Connaughton, uh, still listed as doubtful with that groin strain, uh, mentioned that yesterday that Bud did seem to hint without specifically saying that Pat uh, could miss a couple of games here. Uh, the Bucks have uh, an off day after Detroit, then they have Utah, then another off day, and then Cleveland uh, to wrap up this homestand uh, that they got, the five-game homestand there. So, uh, look, I wouldn't be totally surprised if we didn't see Pat at all uh, across these home games, but certainly at this point, it seems like he's not going to play uh, in that game two against Detroit. Sam Merrill still listed as out with the ankle sprain there. And Tory Craig uh, is still out with his nose. And uh, for those that follow Tory on 
Instagram, he did actually post this morning and said uh, the splint is coming off. He's been getting around with this uh, funny-looking splint on his nose, and uh, he did comment after. Now, we hope this is a joke. He said, if I get another broken nose, I'm retiring, uh, which, uh, come on, man. You need to take a leaf out of Ersan's book and stick around if you break uh, a nose a few times. Listen, Ersan's done it a handful of occasions over the course of his career. But uh, while we're on the topic of the injury report here, and I'll just quickly uh, mention for Detroit, Blake Griffin not listed on the injury report. So that would suggest that he's probably going to play. Josh Jackson still questionable with the ankle. And Killian Hayes, the rookie, uh, is out with a hip uh, strain. And that looked like a nasty injury when he went down there. So if it's just a soft tissue hip injury, I feel like that would be a good result for him. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Uh, I do want to mention, because this is a nice little segue here, Dominic White. Uh, This was his like, which I must admit I laughed at a little bit, but it is something I've thought about. Uh, I'm not going to deny. He said, this may be grim, but I like the injuries in part that it makes Bud go out of his comfort zone with the rotations so we can see what works. Now, I, I found this kind of fascinating because we talk about the bunch of guys that we would like to see play for the Bucks. Jordan Warwick, clearly one of those, got a few minutes yesterday. Uh, Tory Craig is one of those guys. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to take advantage of this little stretch here. And I would have to assume that Tory Craig would be playing ahead of Thanasis right now if he was healthy. I guess we can only guess, but that would be my assumption. So I think it's interesting. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday. But the Bucs essentially went with an eight-man rotation against the Pistons with Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, and DJ Augustine off the bench. Uh, and then you had Tenassus and Jordan Mora play very, very minimal minutes. Uh, I think this will be interesting to watch moving forward. Uh, again, it's, it's unfortunate that Tory Craig uh, is out injured. But the one thing that we have seen from Bud, and again, I'm going to continue to sprinkle in different things that we see from Bud through the season because I understand there's a lot of negativity around Bud and because of the way things went over the last couple of postseasons, uh, Bucks fans in general, it does feel that there's some negativity, but we've seen different things through this season that provides a genuine reason for optimism. And one of those has been the willingness to play guys big minutes. Again, yesterday against the Pistons, Chris Middleton, 35 minutes, Giannis played 36, and Drew Holiday, 34. We saw this Uh, on opening night against Boston as well. They played major minutes. Now, of course, there has been some blowouts uh, sprinkled in there. But even last year, uh, I I feel like if this was last year or the year before, even if this game was close, you wouldn't have seen those minutes totals from Giannis, Chris, and Drew. Uh, You would have just simply seen DJ Wilson come on the floor and play a little bit more. Or maybe you would have got a a few more minutes from Forbes and Augustine who are around the 20-minute mark. So Bud certainly, early in the season, it was discussed. In the offseason, Giannis said he spoke to Bud and said he wants to play more minutes. And to this point, it certainly seems like it's it's been the case. As far as this game goes against Detroit, again, I would love to see Jordan Wara in the lineup. Try and get him a few more minutes than the seven he got. Get him up into double digits if possible. Hopefully, it's a game that the Bucs uh, can have in hand and win anyway. But as we did see yesterday in game one against the Pistons, for Jordan, as a rookie, it's going to be different when you're trying to fit in against the opposition starting caliber players, uh, with the Bucks starting caliber players, it's a different situation to garbage time. And that's where he's going to learn. And that's also where the team and us as fans are going to be able to evaluate Jordan Moore as well. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. But it was a nice observation from Dominic there. Now, uh, before we move on to Brook Lopez, uh, we've got to talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Uh, The NFL regular season is officially finished, 
and the playoff picture is clear. And that's good news because there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, as I mentioned, NFL playoffs, we've got uh, college basketballs going on, college football. Uh, where are we at? I don't follow college football. I'm guessing we must be near playoff time there. Is, is that done? I don't know. You guys can let me know about that. Uh, but don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's move on to Brooke Lopez here. Uh, and over the course of the last few weeks, I have to uh, shout this out. A number of listeners have tweeted at me and certainly tweeted at the show uh, just asking about Brooke Lopez and where he fits in the grander picture here. So the one I, I'm going to read out here, but again, uh, this wasn't the only comment I got, but it's from Steve Palaszczuk. He says, where does Brooke fit in going forward? Obviously, his rim protection is swell. Uh, he had a rough game against Detroit last night, but do Drew and the other new offensive pieces negatively affect Splash Mountain's role and value? Hope it's not too adverse. So uh, let's look at the offensive side of the ball first for Brooke Lopez because I've certainly been someone that over the la- course of the last couple of weeks have been cautioning fans to say, listen, I know that Brooks' numbers are down. I know it seems like he's kind of not doing much on offense. And certainly, if you look at the box scores, that's been the case. He had one pretty nice game uh, down in Miami there, which, again, we joke about it. But listen, if you're near Disney, you know Brooks going to play well. The one thing I will say about him so far, he's been shooting the ball at a high clip. But again, we need to look at the other starters that are in the team. So let's compare stats from last season to the very early portion of this season here. And the first thing to note, that's very important, is the minutes per game. Brooke Lopez has always been managed by Bud over the course of his two seasons. This year, it's been to an extreme level early in the season. Now, Brooke last year averaged 26.7 minutes per game. That's down to 22.9. So naturally, when you're playing you know, roughly four minutes fewer per game, you're going to see the production come down a little bit. His field goal attempts, now this is where it's interesting. His field goal attempts have dropped from 9.9 to 6.7. With that, his three-point attempts have dropped from 4.8 to 3.7, and his points have dropped from 12 to 8.4. The one thing that's important to note, and it's interesting to see where this lies moving forward, and we'll find out where the three-point shooting stabilizes. Last year, he's at around 31. He's at 38% so far this season. Is that his true shooting percentage has gone up from 55.1 to 58.9. So he's actually been a relatively efficient scorer when he's got his touches and when he's got his shots. Again, that's been boosted by him getting good looks from the outside and knocking those two down. And I think with Brook Lopez, the thing that stands out to me is that his uh, three-point percentage is holding not just from the corners, but from above the break. So he's 40% on 10 attempts from the corners, 37.5 from the above the break uh, mark on 16 three-point attempts per game. And this is important 
And that disparity between the corners and the above-the-break threes for Brook Lopez, to me, shows that they are still getting him in different spots. You've heard me speak before about the fact last year, Brook Lopez was never in the corners. And then it was something that came in in the bubble and came in through the playoffs. And he really found his rhythm and shot the ball well down there. So Brook Lopez three-point shooting, as long as he's hitting those threes, I'm not too fussed about everything else offensively. And this comes back to the impact of the other starters that are in the team. So I already mentioned Brook Lopez shooting uh, roughly three attempts per game fewer than he was last year. Again, playing fewer minutes as well. But let's just compare the starters that we have in. Eric Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews last year combined for 17.8 field goal attempts per game. Drew Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo so far this year at averaging 20.8 field goal attempts per game. So those shots that are coming off Brook Lopez essentially are going to the yellow starters, and this should be no surprise to anyone. The Bucs have gone out. They've added two more aggressive scorers in the starting lineup in Drew Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo, who are working off each other together. And just as a result of that, you're seeing less offense run for Brook Lopez, who in his 22 minutes per game, the bulk of them are coming with the starters. So to me, as long as Brook Lopez is knocking down those threes, it doesn't really matter. Where you're going to judge the value of Brook Lopez is going to be on the defensive end. And we saw this start to turn around in terms of his rim protection and, and picking up those raw block numbers against the Pistons in game one. So I'm just not concerned about the play of Brook Lopez at all. Defensively, it is going to, getting back to the point from Steve in terms of his value, and I assume he's talking about uh, trade value, if if that's what you're looking at moving forward, if we thought that Brook Lopez, Lopez was going into some sort of decline, which I'm not really buying that just yet, considering that he is shooting the ball well. Uh, defensively, the Bucks uh, have been pretty good across the board. One of The defensive rating is around 105. And just to clear that up, when we talk about defensive rating, that is the opposition scoring, in the Bucks' case, 105 points per 100 possessions. Uh, that 105 mark is is not too bad. That's pretty good. If that holds up, given the way that teams are shooting the ball, given the way that offenses have been run in 2021, that's a that's a pretty good number. That's going to give you a top 10 defense. There's no doubt about that, just for some perspective there. The stat for me to keep an eye on throughout the season, and this comes from NBA.com's tracking data, which at times can be a little bit sketchy, and some of these numbers you have to be wary of of how much stock you're putting into them. But when it comes to Brook Lopez, uh, we know he was an elite rim protector. And last year, shots defended within six feet. He was number one in the league by a long way. And his defender, his uh, opposition's field goal percentage with Brook Lopez defending uh, was in the low 40s. As I said, he was number one in the league. So far this year, it's at 51.4. So it's gone up around 8% from where it was last season in this small sample size. Uh, he's defended 37 shots within six feet. Again, according to NBA.com. And the blocks per game, the easiest stat to track, uh, down from 2.4 last year to 1.3 per game this year. We know, again, uh, some of this is not just to do with Brook Lopez. It's to the moving pieces and the different personnel that the Bucks have. I think it would be fair to say that there's been some uh, growing pains at times for this Bucks defense, as not only do they integrate these new pieces, but yes... Bud's been trying a few different things defensively. We've spoke about it, which again, that's what we want. I think when we're watching this team and you take those lumps, if maybe the numbers won't be as good. Maybe you won't be historically dominant defensively, but as long as you know that you have that base defense there, uh, that is going to uh, help you accumulate wins and put yourself in a good position for the postseason while also 
being prepared for those series when you need to be come uh, late. So listen, bit of a long-winded answer on Brook Lopez. Uh, to me, to this point though, uh, and keeping in mind, yes, he had a rough game against Detroit. There's no doubt about that. He was kind of fumbly a little bit with the ball, a little bit sloppy when he put it on the on the deck. Uh, it was a, a rough game. There's no doubt about that. But overall, through seven games and the three games of preseason, I don't have many concerns about Brook Lopez at all. And hopefully some of those numbers highlight why it's it's an accumulation of a number of factors why you're probably going to look at Brook Lopez at the end of the year and say, Okay, yeah, his numbers are down. He must have been poor. Maybe this is a sign of decline. Look, as long as he's shooting around the mid-30s in that three-point percentage, I don't necessarily expect it to stay at 38. But if he keeps it around 35 and he provides that paint defense, his value is exactly the same as what it's been to the team. And there are still going to be stretches in games where there may be foul trouble, there may be injuries, where you'll be able to lean on him a little bit more offensively. But for now with the starters playing the way that they're playing, it's, it's fair to say the shots aren't really going to be there, and that's fine. That's okay. His value to the team isn't being as a scorer. It's as a floor spacer and then a paint defender as well. Uh, one last thought. The only thing I would put away for Brook Lopez is some of those off-balance threes. We know he's hit him when he's hot in the past. Probably doesn't need to do it all the time. Uh, but again... Uh, I think we're starting to see some positive signs from Brook Lopez, and that should be exciting for everyone. I, I think that's the main thing. As long as he continues to provide value defensively, uh, he's going to be just fine for this team, even though he is into his 30s now. All right, before we move on here, uh, let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar uh, that has ever been made. The new and improved, I don't think I can say new and improved Built Bar anymore. The new and improved Built Bar has been around for a little while here, but we do know now that they have 18 amazing flavors. And I, I don't know what you're into. Maybe you're into peanut butter. Maybe it's mint brownie. Maybe it's salted caramel. I'm not 100% sure, but whatever you're into, they've got it. And the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar are great for the health-conscious guy. Loser maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Uh, I had one just prior to recording here, so hopefully my performance uh, is, is a testimonial of what Built Bar can do for you. But go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcasts. As promised, let's move on to the second unit now. And again, we had a couple of... Uh, you know, comments, I think fans, Bucks fans in general, are starting to get a little bit excited about the second unit here. Now, let's go to a comment from Ayan, who says, would love more on about how the bench adds uh, Portis Forbes, DJ Augustine, how they have meshed really well in their individual roles. Not mentioning Drew, who's been spectacular both offensively and defensively, but I really feel like the bench needs to be talked about. So as far as raw numbers... I think it's difficult to really speak on the bench too much to this point because there's been so many blowouts that the numbers are a little bit inflated in a couple of these games here. But just for reference, Milwaukee currently ranks fifth 
in the NBA for second unit points per game at 41.3. Last year, funnily enough, probably a similar thing. So many blowouts, oftentimes the bench got a fair bit of run, uh, 40 points per game. So only scoring 1.3 more points uh, on last year. The number to note that, again, I keep speaking about this, but I'm just preparing you. These numbers are going to drop off a little bit. The Bucks' second unit right now is shooting 45 from three, which is absolutely absurd. We know Bobby Portis has been shooting the hell out of it. DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Jordan Warris, Sam Merrill as well when they've been out there. And even Pat Connaughton is up at uh, 50%, I believe, on the season. I don't have that in front of me right now. But the point I do want to make about the bench, and we've spoke about this extensively, you know, last year leading into the playoffs, one of the big concerns I had was that the Bucks didn't really have a bench score. And now Dante DiVincenzo was the guy that I thought fit the bill best last season in terms of a guy that can get you 15 points off the bench. But the consistency wasn't there. And I, I just think that you were asking a lot out of him to be your microwave scorer, your spark plug off the bench, considering yesterday against Detroit was only his 100th game. Hard to believe that he's only played 100 games. But this is a developing player. And last year coming off the break, it didn't seem fair to put all that on him. That's why I like what the Bucs have done with their second unit this year. So the only thing that I want to talk about right now, again, is the playoff rotation. Last year, your best three players off the bench were Dante, uh, George Hill, and Pat Connaughton. Uh, you can put some of the other veterans in there if you want, Marvin Williams, you know, Ersan, sure. But offensively, your best three players were Dante Hill and Pat Connaughton. This year, you've got Bobby Portis, DJ Augustine, and Bryn Forbes. Now, uh, to me... That Those three bench scorers, when you include that you've added Drew Holiday and Dante to the starting lineup, that to me is a better offensive group that is going to be able to get you points in the half court, but going to be able to get out in transition, going to be able to score in isolation. I think with the second unit and the starters, the Bucks overall are a better offensive team. And I think they are better built for the playoffs. And I think that the contributions of those three guys are going to help significantly. I don't expect them to continue to shoot 45% from three, but certainly right now, the Bucs with the number one ranked offense in the league, uh, those guys are a big reason for that. And I think they're going to be more and more important as the season rolls on. So shout out to Bobby, DJ, and, and Bryn Forbes who have come in, uh, working through this shortened training camp, uh, and they are starting to form that chemistry. I've spoke about it a lot before, but Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine, uh, in particular, DJ just knows how to run a pick and roll. He knows how to find the role, man. He can pull up and shoot the three. Uh, he's been a really solid player so far, uh, even with still uh, missing some games there with the car strain as well. So I agree. Shout out to the bench play early this season. You don't know what you're going to get defensively from those guys, so they're going to have to be able to score, and we've seen that so far. Uh, I'm running a little bit long here, but I do want to get to Drew Holiday uh, Drew, uh, this comes from Justin Sayan. He says, Drew's been great, but I want him to look for his shot more in the half court, especially at the end of game situations. I think Drew makes the best decisions with the ball on this team already. So that was, it was a dislike, but Justin, this is, this is a, that's a pretty nice dislike. That's not a bad dislike that you just want Drew to take a few more shots. So just to highlight a few numbers with Drew Holiday. And again, this comes back to the amount of talent that the Bucks have in this starting lineup. So here we go. Let's roll through this. He's averaging 15.4 points per game so far on 11.9 shots. Those 11.9 shots per game are the lowest mark for him since his rookie year back in 2010. His usage percentage of 18.7% is the lowest since his rookie mark in 2010. 
His assists per game at 5.3 are the lowest mark he's had since 2012. But on the positive side, he's doing it on shooting splits of 52, 43, and 100. That's field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. So I think what we're seeing from Drew, and this is why he was going to be such a good fit for this team, is that he's unselfish. He can play off the ball. He's happy to, uh, to allow other guys to take over for a little bit. Certainly, he's forming a great combination in the backcourt with Dante DiVincenzo. So I think in bigger games you will see Drew be a guy that is not going to shy away from having the ball in his hands. Sometimes we saw that with Eric Bledsoe. I think that's why I'm excited. We saw Drew hit a big shot in the final minute against Boston, which we thought was you know, maybe going to be a game winner in his debut. It didn't quite go down there. But I think overall, I agree with you, Justin, that he is a guy that makes extremely solid decisions when he gets the ball in the half court, uses that change of pace. But again, just raw numbers-wise with these guys on the Bucks, I just think that you're going to see some of them come down, and that's just all these guys. There's so much talent. There's so much scoring on this team and so much unselfishness that maybe they're going to figure each other out and take turns in taking over games. But again, uh, we've already seen it in stretches. I 100% agree. Drew Holiday in the half court, I love it. I think it's a huge upgrade for this team. And I think come postseason, when he is playing 36, 37, 38 minutes, he's going to be a significant player in helping the Bucs get through to the postseason. Uh, but like Brooke, those numbers maybe in the regular season are going to be lower than where they've been in previous years. Uh, it's worth noting on the defensive end, he steals 2.1 per game is a career high. And when you put those 2.1 steals from Drew Holiday uh, next to Dante DiVincenzo, averaging 1.7 per game, that's 3.8 combined. Uh, and, and that is a pretty damn awesome number for your starting backcourt. And we've seen that those two have been able to create havoc uh, so far this season, which, is, uh, which has been really fun uh, to this point. So, uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm going to look to wrap this up here. A couple other co- comments we had. Uh, Clayton said that he likes Bud switching things up a little bit. Drew and Dante's current trajectory is nice. Uh, Clayton, his dislike, and this was also mentioned by Ben McCormick, said Bud's inability to work the refs, the apparent distaste for giving DJ Wilson minutes in a switching role. Uh, that's kind of combining what they both said there, but it was to do with Bud's inability to work the refs. I mean, Bud certainly gets frustrated. He, he hasn't you know, taken the tech that sometimes we see other coaches take. Uh, I'll be curious to see whether that changes through this season. It's not really in his nature. I certainly would love for Giannis not to be the one that has to uh, lose his mind completely there. So I, I don't necessarily disagree with you on that one there. Uh, ben Sewell and Michael Scott, who Michael Scott, by the way, I just, I've been watching The Office recently for the first time. Uh, what a show that is. He says, can Thanasis be anything? Uh, ben Sewell says, can Thanasis be anything? And uh, Michael says uh, he's not liking him playing over DJ Wilson. Look, Thanasis is an energy guy. He's old now. I mean, that's the one thing you have to note. I I think he's 28 years old, I I believe, off the top of my head. So expecting him to be anything more than an energy guy off the bench on any team is asking a lot. And again, I don't expect him to be in the playoff rotation when you're hopefully healthy at that point. I just don't see it. Uh, He's... Not a great shooter. Uh, he's not exactly a, a great ball handler. He doesn't really do anything that stands out too well outside of he'll get you a rebound and he'll uh, bring energy. And, and at times, I'm sure Bud's going to use that through the season. I didn't expect him to be an every-night player coming in. He has obviously played over the last four games here. So we'll see if it continues. But he only played five minutes against Detroit 
yesterday. So again, it's nothing to be getting too worked up about at this point, unless he is playing ahead of Tory Craig, then I think you would have some questions to ask there. Uh, last one, Shafty. He says he doesn't like seafood. Uh, and uh, this this really made me think of Ursan again. I just I can't stop talking about this guy. But if you guys remember the Ursan and Pat show, which came in on social media last year, very entertaining stuff. And Ursan said that he, you can never trust seafood in Minnesota. I think that's what he said. Uh, and it always made me laugh. And I, unfortunately, COVID, I, I left the team and I was back in Australia and I haven't had a chance to speak to Ersan yet. I'm trying to, by the way. Uh, I wanted to ask him, how can you be trashing Minnesota seafood and not and when you've lived in Milwaukee for the bulk of the last 15 years? But anyway, Ersan, uh, classic character. I was glad we got to see some of his personality because everyone within the locker room uh, says that he is truly one of the funniest guys they've been around. So let's wrap it up there. And by the way, Shafty, seafood's excellent. So you just, I don't know, maybe you need to come to Australia. Bucks and the Pistons, 7 p.m. Central Time tip-off again. Still getting used to these back-to-backs with a day off in between in the same city. It's very strange. There's a lot of things strange about this season. This is certainly one of them. Bucks looking for their third win in a row and looking to move Two games over 500. Traditionally, losing, uh, sorry, winning these games, both of these games, is difficult. Uh, we we don't often see that. It is the Pistons. They are injury hampered, so we're hoping that they're going to be able to get the job done. I'll be back post game with Frank, most likely, particularly if Giannis plays well. But we'll leave it there for now. Let me know what you thought about this pod, this episode, week two of likes and dislikes. We're going to continue to roll with this through the weeks. Uh, stay safe out there. I'll catch all you guys tomorrow post-game.